0: Hi and welcome to The Missing Middle. I'm Kara Stern.
1: And I'm Mike Moffat.
0: And last week, the federal government introduced a cap on international student visas. And going forward, they'll be distributed to the provinces on a per capita basis. But that got me thinking about Canada's immigration system in general. Our openness to immigrants we know has always been one of Canada's great strengths. And our temporary immigration programs have some unique problems that are really tough to solve. But we thought today, let's talk about the permanent immigration system. So first of all, what's the difference, Mike, between a permanent immigrant, uh, permanent resident and uh, temporary immigration?
1: Yeah. So on on the non-permanent side, it's it's people who are on a visa that will expire. So that could be uh, international student, temporary foreign worker and and so on. And as we've seen in in our discourse, there's no cap on that. There's no uh, limit to that, at least until recently. Now, what we consider normally consider immigration is permanent residency so those are are people who apply and uh, you know are allowed to live in canada permanently um we do have a cap for that and we should recognize that permanent residency not all of, of the people who obtain that are newcomers to canada some are but some are actually non-permanent residents who have been here for years and are just switching over from being non-permanent to permanent so When we talk about, you know, an immigration target being 500,000 people, we should recognize that that doesn't mean we're going to have 500,000 newcomers because we have newcomers who are non-permanent residents. But as well, even in, in that immigration target, a lot of that is people who have been here for some time obtaining permanent residency.
0: Okay, so we know the targets have moved over the years, there was roughly a quarter million each year between t- 2001 and, tw- and 2017. And then the Liberal government started increasing it around then to more than about 300,000 per year. And targets have increased each year since um, to around half a million a year right now. And that's what it looks like it's going to be in the next few years. Is that a lot for our country?
1: So you get into these questions about like sort of relative to what. So we can look at this in absolute terms. okay? you know, 500,000 people in absolute terms. Uh, The answer is yes. I mean, that is higher than I think any time in Canadian history. We kind of peaked around World War One or so. But we could also look at this relative to the population. Uh, You know, how many uh, you know, how how high is our immigration target relative to the overall size of, of the population? Um, so if we have a target of 500,000 people and a population of 40 million, there's basically 12 new immigrants for every thousand people. That's a little bit higher than in recent years. We've been, you know, closer to that eight to nine uh, level for the last 30 years or so. So you know, it is somewhat of an increase, but. It's, you know, much, much lower than other periods in history. You know, we had years in in the fifties, sixties, and seventies, we were closer to that fifteen to twenty level. And again, around World War One, we were closer to sixty out of a thousand. So, you know, relative to the size of the population, it's you know, it's nowhere near. Uh, the highest levels. And, you know, we have to realize that we're a much larger country than than we used to be. So again, you get into this debate versus relative versus uh, absolute size, but certainly in absolute size, it is the, the largest that we've ever had.
0: Do we know where uh, people are coming from for permanent residency versus for temporary immigration? Is there a difference of where they're coming from?
1: Yeah, there, there's a, a lot of, uh, you know, there's differences between the groups that uh, for permanent residency, they, they tend to be older. Um, it tends to be a wider distribution of, of of countries. Whereas because a lot of our non-permanent residency is, is on the international student side, they tend to skew younger and they tend to skew from uh, a couple different countries, India to and, and China. So there are you know, big differences be- between the two. Uh, again, on, on immigration, um, you know, uh, that sort of median age tends to be 28 and 29. But you know, you get some 30 year olds and some 83 year olds, uh, and, and some three year olds, whereas on the non permanent side, it tends to be more clustered around people, uh, you know, late teenage or early 20s, and so on.
0: Why do we need constant growth into the country?
1: Well we don't necessarily need uh constant growth and I would say <laughs> in fact our our issue is that we've had non constant growth that that our our population growth has been all over the place in in recent years and it's made it really difficult uh to plan so I actually think having uh, having some more certainty helps with, with planning. I think over the last few years, we've seen the challenges we have when our population growth rates are all over the place. And we really can't make sure that we have, you know, not just enough housing, but enough schools and healthcare and so on uh, to, to keep track of that. Yeah,
0: I hear that a lot these days, things like people talking about how we have so much, uh, so many new people in this country, we don't have enough housing for people already here, and we don't have enough family doctors. And so I hear people saying, you know, why don't we just kind of pause it and st- or at least lower immigration levels temporarily until we kind of get that under control, and then go back up to opening our doors as wide as they've been. I know that there are valid concerns about housing and medicine. Of course, these are real things. But what would happen if you were to sort of freeze immigration temporarily while that gets, while we try to get that under control?
1: Yeah. So a, a couple of things. So again, I, I I hear this a lot. I, I think there's some challenges to this question. The first of all, I think it conflates population growth with, with immigration, right? And those are those are two different things. But you know, I do think there is a reasonable argument to have about you know how high immigration targets should be and so on. But we also have to realize, like the healthcare one, I think is a prime ag- example because immigration affects both the demand and supply side of, of healthcare. And if we look at uh, immigration to Canada, it's an awful lot of personal support workers and nurses and 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 so on. So you get that kind of challenge where you say, okay, yeah, if we're ratcheting down population growth, maybe we don't need to expand our healthcare system as much. But, you know, who's going to work in our long-term care facilities and, and questions like that? So, so I do, again, I think it's a reasonable debate to have uh, about w- how high the cap should be. There's nothing magic about 500,000, but, but overall, we have to sort of recognize that, that the newcomers to Canada are, you know, both affect the demand side and the supply side of whether it be hel- housing or education or healthcare or so on.
0: But of course, we know that people coming here as uh, personal support workers, for example, that might be one person in the family. They may come with a few other people who all need, uh, healthcare and they all need a place to live. Does it balance out in your mind?
1: Well, I, I think if, if the system's well designed, uh, that that it should. And I, I do think there are questions about, you know, uh, Canada's point system for immigration, and and you know, are we bringing in an, uh, enough of this group and enough of that group? Are we bringing in enough workers versus, um, you know, uh, younger kids versus versus older? Like, I, I think those are all. Uh, useful uh, discussions uh, to have. But again, we should recognize that, that you know, the bulk of our immigration tends to be people between like the ages of 25 and, and 40, right? It's a lot of your kind of young, talented labor force. And it is a challenge to fill these roles without uh, those, those newcomers.
0: Is there a way like looking at this as an economist, can you determine like an optimal number of immigrants that should be in the country that there's like a sustainable number that makes sense? Is there an optimal number?
1: Unfortunately, no, and I think that's one of the that's what makes us such a such a debate, uh, right? That you know there are any number of things that that you look at, you go, okay, well, optimal for what? Optimal for the healthcare system, the housing system, you know, optimal for Canadian culture. So, so it really. Um, It really depends on, you know, not just the number, but, you know, the the talent and the skills of the people being brought in, you know, what what they contribute to Canadian culture. So it gets very, very messy very, very fast. But I do think there are, you know, real concerns out there that we're not, you know, linking, properly linking immigration to the other things we need. And there's also issues around planning. I actually don't think this gets um, enough attention that you know, how we've traditionally over the last few years set our immigration targets is basically they get announced in November for whatever the next year is. So that's a challenge in in planning. Um, If we go, okay, you know, we're going to find out, you know, within two months notice uh, what what those immigration targets are are going to be. You know, I, I do think we need to look at having longer term planning, you know, maybe five and 10 year plans and so on, you know, which would help us better align these things. So I, I find oftentimes the number itself, it gets way too much attention because it's easy to understand. But all of those nuances about, okay, well, how how much notice do we give uh, about the number? Um, you know, what what is our system for determining, you know, which 500,000 or 300,000 people it will be and so on. I think those are the, the, you know, the really important questions of, uh, that determine whether or not our immigration system's working, uh, but they tend to, they're, they're complex. So, you know, they they don't make for as, as good a discussion.
0: One of the most shocking things since I started covering this area as a, as a journalist is that I didn't realize the Ministry of Immigration and the Ministry of Housing don't seem to talk to each other. At least they haven't historically. I hope they are now. It seems like they, they might be a little bit more now, but those numbers were never linked like, how does that make sense?
1: Why did that happen? Yeah, I I, I think overall that there, that we we make policy in silos, and this is not just an immigration problem; it's just a general problem. That, and here's where I think that longer term planning c- can come into place. Right, that if we had sort of ten year immigration targets with with yearly targets, then we can make sure not just that there's enough housing, but enough you know healthcare and education and and so on. Um, I I think that would, that would go a long way to it. Um, You know, even if, uh, you know, they do talk to each other, you know, and, and, you know, the immigration department said in November, okay, by the way, uh, you know, we're going to be increasing it by by this much, that's not enough time to build houses and schools and, and roads and so on. So it is a real problem. And I would like to see the, the federal government, um, you know, come up with longer term plans. You recognize that, you know, we are in a democracy, um, governments will change, new governments will come in and have different priorities. That's all fine. Uh, but we need to, you know, as much as possible, we need to plan these things out better.
0: It feels a little bit like that they must have known they should have been able to forecast that housing uh, prices would get out of control given population growth, and I, it feels a little bit like they must be able to forecast that and they did it anyways for for I guess economic reasons. Do do you feel that way?
1: Um, I, I I do a little bit. I, again, where I think their failure to forecast was on the on the non permanent side, right? Because that's that's where the growth has been and it's completely caught the federal government off guard. Statistics Canada does uh, population forecasting every so often. They haven't updated their forecast since August 2022. And they're just like laughably out of date, right? They they ended up massively under forecasting.
0: Yeah, I remember that's something I learned from you about how um, that they didn't even seem to know how many people were coming into the country on on student visas, right?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And they didn't weren't able to forecast things and, and and some of it is hard to forecast. Like we do we do have an increased uh, number of refugees from Ukraine, right? So I don't think you can fault the federal government for not, you know, being able to uh properly predict, you know, ru- the 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 Russian invasion and things like that. You know, events are going to happen. That that's fine. Yeah, o- overall, um, you know, the federal government's done an absolutely lousy job at uh, doing population forecasts. So, I-, I don't think they they saw this coming. I do think they understand the linkages between um, between uh, immigration targets and housing. I mean, that that became clear in an access to information request that a, r- a reporter did recently. Uh, but I don't really I don't think they saw this population uh, growth happening, and I, I think they were caught off guard by it.
0: Is it possible to tie it to housing starts, tie immigration levels or really population growth to housing starts? or is it always going to be the case that people are coming in here faster than we can possibly get things built?
1: I, I think you can, and I think this is uh, where this long-term planning uh, comes in. That that if we're if, if we're tying, you know, announcing these immigration targets, you know, two months before the next year, no, I, I, I don't think they they can really be linked, um, or at least in any kind of meaningful way. You know, they would just be saying, okay, well, this is what we think housing starts is going to be next year, and then this is going to tie our immigration. To that. But if we did longer term planning, then we could start to link these things uh, together uh, much, much better. So, so that's again, it's all this kind of long termism versus short termism. And I, I, and I guess, like, if, if this discussion has a theme. It, it, it's that all of these decisions that were made are not only just made in silos, but they're, you know, really ultra short-term focus. There's been a complete lack of any kind of long-term uh, long-term planning. and I, and I think it's causing us all kinds of difficulties.
0: That's all for us today on the missing middle. Thanks so much for watching and listening. And thanks as always to our amazing producer Meredith Martin.
1: Please like, subscribe, or leave a comment. We'd absolutely love to hear from you
0: and we'll see you next time.